0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, church. Great to see your beautiful faces. And uh, good. it's going to be a good week. We are launching our Reach Week today. And at the end of the service, we'll be praying for all of our teams that will be all throughout the city um, over the next seven, eight days, as well as we're going to be praying over our missions team that's leaving on Tuesday, I believe, for Columbia. So uh, excited about all of that. You see everybody on stage and... Bunch of the staff and pastors are wearing our red, serve our city, love our city, serve our city. And uh, so I use part of that as a title to the word I want to bring this morning, love God, love people. And uh, so we're going to jump right into that this morning. And hopefully if you are not already signed up to be a part of a team Uh, that you're going to get so motivated by my word this morning. You're going to run out or grab your phone and sign up. We have a lot of opportunity to love people, and I really want to encourage all the families. Don't leave your kids behind. Get them involved. There are places and ways for them to serve. When we were out in Newberry a couple of weeks ago, I was so impressed. At least half the team out there were our young people and they were hard workers and faithful and they spoke volumes to the leadership of those schools. So I want to encourage you to get your kids involved, whether it's feeding the homeless. Uh, we're going to be having a uh, food, I don't know what it's called. What's it called? We're, we're, we're giving food away. Uh, and uh, it's uh, going to be Wednesday, I believe, a drive-through here at the church. We're working with Bread of the Mighty. And uh, so if you still have not yet uh, brought some food, we encourage you to do that. You can bring it, drop it off in the lobby out there. There's a place for you to do that. So I want to jump into the Word this morning. Hear what Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. Thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. I thank you for the privilege of living your word, Father, and being loved by you so that we can love others. Father, I thank you that you first loved us. And because of that, uh, through your great love in our lives, you saved us, you redeemed us, uh, you've healed us, you've delivered us. And you've made us whole so that we could be a blessing to the world that we're living in. Not just for one week out of the year, but Lord, we really use this as a launching pad to, uh, for the whole year. That we will be mindful of divine appointments and opportunities to touch lives, to encourage, to help those who are hurting, those who are in need. Whether it's small or great, Father, uh, we're thankful that you utilize us. So today, I pray a fresh anointing on your word, the scriptures that I'm going to share, Father, that they will encourage, challenge, and convict us uh, wherever we are on our journey with you. I give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said big amen. All right. 1 Peter chapter 4, a few verses here beginning with verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Peter starts out there with a pretty powerful challenge for us to acknowledge and to understand uh, the times and the seasons that we're in. I preached uh, on that topic for a few weeks, and uh, it is important for us to know and understand uh, that the end of all things is at hand. therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. All man. So So uh, we we are challenged. Peter challenges uh, the church two thousand years ago. And that challenge is still real for us today to understand, to uh, know how to treat one another, uh, to show hospitality uh, to one another. I think that's interesting, verse 9, he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You ever had somebody help you, but they grumbled along the way. (laughs) They griped about having to help you, and uh, you're broken down on the side of the road, and they stop and they grumble about having to help uh, do whatever. Years ago, Suzanne and I had just been married a few months, and for those of you that know me, you know that I am, uh, I do not have the gift of mechanical blessing. (laughs) I... uh, I've often said when I change a light bulb and don't electrocute myself, I want my wife to pat me on the back and tell me I did a great job. Uh, But, you know, if you acknowledge that, recognize that, then you can go on with life and you just hire people um, that have the gift or you call one of your sons that has the gift that uh, you don't have. But Suzanne and I just got married and we had gone back to New Orleans to visit And to go to a wedding of a friend of hers who I didn't know. Um, But so anyhow, we left New Orleans, drove back to Bay St. Louis for the wedding uh, and the reception. And afterwards, it was thunderous raining. I mean, it was pouring. And uh, we jumped back on the interstate, heading back into New Orleans on I-10. If you've ever been over there, you know how crazy it is. And as we're crossing the bridge, I hear my tire blow. I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. My wife's about to find out how lack of gifts. You know, this was before cell phones and Google and everything else, man. And I didn't even have time to pray. It was pouring, and I am going off the side of the road. And as I do, a car pulls in behind me. And it is flooding, raining. I jump out of the car, no umbrella. And a precious black man jumps out of the vehicle behind me. And he's like, you got a spare? You got the tools? And I'm like, I don't know. And I don't know. <laughs> so I pop the trunk. And he's like, he's like, get back in the car. Get back in the car. You're getting wet. And I'm like, I don't know what to think. But this man grabs that t- tire. He grabs my tools. And I, it seemed like it was minutes. And he taps on the window, you're good to go. And I'm like, honey, you got any money? (laughs) You know, I'm trying to find a 20 or something. And I was like, hang on just a minute. Let me give you something. He's like, no, 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 no. And he blesses us and he jumps back in his car and shoots around us and gone. I am thankful for the gift of hospitality. Amen. And we are to serve one another with joy with love. And not one week a year. Come on, somebody. We might wear the red t-shirts one week a year, but our life as believers is we're to be about the Father's business of showing God's love to the world that we live in. Yesterday morning, Suzanne and I had the privilege of helping one of our widow's neighbors, precious lady, and, um, we'd been walking the night before and we had seen uh, her golf cart uh, out in the back of her wooded area and so I was concerned I'm looking around to see if she's laying out there on the ground or something so pick up my phone I call her and and I said Miss Polly are you okay and she said yeah why didn't you ask well I see your golf cart out there um laid up by a tree and she said yeah it it, it broke down so I said how about I come up in the morning and uh uh, we'll get, get it towed back up to the house. And, oh, you don't have to do that, Pastor George. I've called somebody, blah, blah, blah. So I said, no, Suzanne, I'll drive up in the morning. So yesterday morning, we jumped in our golf cart, grabbed a tow rope and went up to her heel. We didn't knock on her door. We just started uh, tying up the cart and to, to pull it uh, up the hill, uh, which my golf cart was not strong enough to do, so we had to go downhill. <laughs> we had to turn. And, uh, but she comes right out of the house and jumps on the cart. Her dog, jumps on. Pepper, jumps on the cart with me, thinks that uh, he owns my golf cart. But he jumped up there. And uh, so I said, Miss Polly, I can't get up that hill, so we're going to have to go down and around and all the way down past my house and up and around. And she said, whatever. And her and Susanna are in the back just chatting it up. And and so we towed the golf cart all the way up, get it by her little carport, I unhook it, and her and I push it in. Suzanne doing a masterful job of steering. But we got the cart in, and then we jumped in ours, told her we loved her, and took off. And an hour or so later, she texts, us, are y'all home? I dropped off a zucchini hot bread. Come on, somebody. That's- That's how you repay hospitality with hospitality. I said, I'm not home, but as soon as I get there, I will make sure that I get it off the front porch, which we did. Slapped a little butter on that thing. Come on, somebody. Made a little double espresso, sat down and gave thanks for the fruit of our labor. Now, we didn't go help her with her golf cart to get a zucchini cake, but sometimes the reward comes quickly. Sometimes you don't ever see it. Sometimes you do good for people and they talk bad about you. <laughs> you know, they don't say thank you. How many of you like somebody to say thank you? How many of you like your kids to say thank you? If your children don't say thank you, you need to go to a parenting class. <laughs> Teach those rascals how to be appreciative, how to say thank you. It's a wonderful gift. Uh, that uh, your children need to learn. So, Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Let me tell you something, everybody sitting in this room from the youngest to the oldest, every one of us has a gift. That gift is to serve and to be able to bless someone else with what God has blessed you with. You don't call me, don't call Pastor George and say, Pastor, I need you to come over to my house and fix my plumbing, okay? You don't want me to fix your plumbing. If the handle goes down and it doesn't flush, you wanna call Mr. Ed, not the talking horse, our Mr. Ed. We have a Mr. Ed too. That's old school. How many of you even know about Mr. Ed? Oh, we're good. I guarantee no children raise their hands. Uh, Mr. Ed was a talking horse back in my early years, so. Anyhow, you, each one of us has a gift that we're able to use to touch someone's life. And as Suzanne was leading prayer this morning, I was standing over against the wall listening and she talked about the joy that comes in our lives when we have the privilege to do something for someone else. And you do it without expectation of something back. I mean, Suzanne and I had a joy in blessing our widowed neighbor. And the word actually commands us to take care of widows and orphans. And, but the privilege of doing that, we didn't do it to get a hot zucchini uh, with nuts uh, freshly baked out of the oven, that was just a blessing. But each of us has a gift to help someone, and through that gift, we impart the love of God. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. I was going to start out with this this morning, but I flipped it down to this. Listen to this, verse 13, Paul says to the church at Galatia, he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. What we want to do this week, whether you're going to a fire station or a police station or the deputy sheriff's office, whether you're feeding someone, whether you're on a team helping to serve some widow, you're helping to repair someone's... Ports or whatever it is you do we want to make sure that we do whatever we do with love not with uh uh regret or a you know oh my gosh I'm having to take off my valuable time to come do this you don't want to do that <laughs> if that's your attitude you need to go on back to work but we do what we do with the desire to touch someone's life in a significant way, I look across this congregation. I see folks that have touched people's lives in a s- significant way. Last year, as most of you know, it was a tough year in our house, and we we lost um, quite a few, uh, mostly some of our older people that passed away. And in the process of their passing, people in this house rose up and were there for the family, for the friends. We're there serving the person, whether they were at home or in hospice. And as I would go and visit, I would, w- without exception, I would have to excuse one, two, three, or four people from the room so I could have just a little privacy with the person that I came to love on and minister to. But I was ministered to... Because of those one, two, three, four people that were given their time, taken away from work, taken away from sleep, and going and sitting with some of these precious people as they transitioned from this life into the presence of Jesus Christ. And the, the love that was manifested, matter of fact, over at hospice, because we had three or four people there over a couple of month period of time, They saw me and others from our church family coming on a regular basis, daily basis, into that place. And those nurses would always comment to me about the way our people took care of our people. Of course, I would always be incredibly thankful to hospice If you've never had to utilize hospice, they are an incredible group of people, an incredible group of nurses and doctors that lay down their life to make the transition from this world into eternity not only a peaceful place, but a respectful place. I think we ought to just put our hands together and say thank you to hospice for for what they do because it, it really is... Amazing, uh, the love that they share. Uh, My brother Buddy was in hospice for 11 days before he passed the day that uh, he had had a massive stroke. Uh, The doctor at North Florida said to us, uh, I know you have a large family, so we're gonna move Buddy over to hospice and you probably have four to five, maybe six hours with him before he passes. So we moved Buddy over there and that rascal wouldn't stop living. He just kept laying there. Finally, one day I walked in the room. There were like 18 of my family members in there, and they're eating and picnicking, and Buddy's body's just laying there. He's just laying there. And So I walked in, and I kind of whispered out loud, and I said, Buddy, it's time to go. Just let it go and go on to be with Jesus. I don't know what you're waiting. And some of my especially unsaved family there, like, oh, come on, you can't do that. All right, Buddy's with Jesus already. He's just waiting for this spirit man to leave this body. And, and, uh, but man, those nurses... were there loving on us, helping, taking care. Matter of fact, at one point, Buddy, the second or third day we were there, they had oxygen on Buddy's nose and it kept slipping off of his uh, nose down on his lip. And my sister Cheryl would get up and she would put it back on and then it would slip off and the nurse came in and Cheryl's like to the nurse, "Uh, ma'am, is there something we can do to tighten this? And she said, "Uh, sweetheart, this is for y'all. This isn't for him. (laughs) Well, if it's not for him, take it off. I'm tired of watching her put it on and take it off. But man, the expression of their love and their ability. That's what, the, that's what we, the body of Christ, should look like in the world. Come on, somebody, that we live in every day, whether you're at the grocery store, the gas station, wherever you are, doing whatever you do, that the love of Jesus Christ so fills your heart that you're always looking for that divine opportunity that divine appointment that the Lord sets up for us to touch someone's life. Mark chapter 10, I want to hang out here for a couple of minutes. Mark chapter 10, verse 35, and I know this familiar passage of Scripture, uh, but it is worth us reading today. Uh, The disciples are all there with Jesus. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, um, have a moment— And uh, they get real gutsy and it says "And James and John came up to Jesus and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. (laughs) Come on, somebody that's, that's bold. Because they, they obviously, as you'll hear in a moment as I read down through this, obviously they weren't with Jesus by themselves just having a private moment. The other disciples are there. And they have the audacity. <laughs> and, and so Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, we want you to grant us to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left in your glory. Well, first of all, the disciples did not understand what was transpiring in life, anyhow. They, they did not know that Jesus was going to the cross, no matter how many times they told, he told them. If they would have understood that, they wouldn't have been asking, Can we be on your right and left hand? Because those were two other people hanging on the crosses. But they really thought that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom right then and there, have a great army, have all these soldiers, and they were going to kick Rome out, and they were going to rule and reign the, the earth. And with that thought in mind, they had the audacity to ask Jesus, can we sit on your right and left hand? And Jesus says to them, verse 38, you do not, you do not know what you're asking Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, arrogantly, (laughs) we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. For those of you that are uh, the chosen followers, you watch the series that's out, I'm anxiously awaiting uh, season four. Uh, because I actually love this series. Um, I love the humanity that this series portrays. Not only of the disciples, but of Jesus himself. But when you read a scripture like this, especially after watching The Chosen, you can visualize, you can see it uh, in your mind and in your eyes. You can see the disciples uh, not always getting along. They they were they were just like like real people, like your family. <laughs> kind of messed up. <laughs> Pastor, don't talk about my family like that. Okay, <laughs> invite me over to the house. <laughs> I guarantee we all got family, right. and family we all get in each other's business. We we. Sometimes have an opinion about something that we weren't asked our opinion about Am I speaking the truth or am I telling a lie family man, there's nothing like it These disciples been walking with Jesus for three years. They are family They're eating together cooking together cutting wood together I mean, can't you just see Philip there sitting with Matthew by the fire, teaching Matthew how to prepare the, the wood to go on the fire because the wood was wet. You read Scripture, you, you don't think about those kind of things, but you think about the fact that they walked with Jesus for three solid years. They hung out, they walked, they ate, they prayed, they fasted, they, they saw the miracles, they experienced all the amazing things that Jesus did but they were real, and they had struggles, and they had difficulties. And now all of a sudden, two of the 12 have the audacity to ask Jesus, we, we want to basically rule our brothers. <laughs> That's what they were saying. We, we want to be like right beside you, and the other 10, they can be behind us, and you tell us what to do, and we'll tell them. Well, that wasn't real popular with the other 10. I guarantee it wasn't popular with Peter. (laughs) Verse 42, and Jesus called them to him and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. It's not an option. I thought about so many different titles for this message today, and most of them were around the idea of being great. We impart and teach our children, we speak into their lives about. Uh, living right, living righteous, and not falling into the sins of the world, and and uh, not opening themselves to certain things. And to be careful, Suzanne and I were speaking to our deputy sheriff this morning in the back, and we were talking with him. He was telling us some bizarre, crazy stories of Of what's going on in our world today, and we were talking because Suzanne and I went and saw the movie yesterday, um, The Sound of Freedom. If you have not gone to see that movie, as soon as I say amen, you need to open up your phone and buy some tickets and go see this. Every American Christian, every American, but the church, yes, it's still playing, but hear me, take a box of tissue... (laughs) Cause it, Suzanne and I, when it first started, we're like, I don't, I don't. She's like, I don't know if I can handle this. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle this. And Mr. Ed was with us, and uh, the three of us were sitting there. And and uh, Mr. Ed's a strong man. I traveled around the world with him. He's he's uh, he ticks me off. Him and Gabe both. They got these six packs. Mr. Ed's older than I am. He's still got a six pack. I have one. It's just hidden. <laughs> it's it's in there somewhere. But, but Mr. Ed, he's two seats over, and, and, and my wife's beside me, and I'm sniffing, and I, I'm looking over at Mr. Ed. He's trying not to sniff. But when it was over, his head was down in his lap like this. And, and because it, it is just a gut-wrenching, moving movie about what's going on in our world. Millions, millions of young girls and boys being stolen and sex traffic and young ladies and this deputy was telling us this morning of an incident that happened this last couple of days in Alabama you might have seen the story the news clip where somebody laid a baby out on the road to try to get somebody to stop and a lady stopped to find out what was why this baby was beside the road and and they tried to kidnap her as she's trying to find out what's wrong with this child. And we, we live in a, in a world today, and I don't want to speak fear over us, but I, I do want to speak wisdom. You have to be wise. We have to be wise. We have to teach our children, our little ones, our girls and our boys. Because we live in a wicked world. And you know the number one nation in the world for sex trafficking? It's not Honduras or Colombia or Peru or Russia. It's America. Number one country in the world for sex trafficking. We have to protect. Because the people out there trying to steal our children, our sons and our daughters, they look like everyday type of men. And so wisdom, every single day over our lives, as we go about serving the purposes of God. We even have to use wisdom in our serving. Because we have to make sure we don't put ourselves in a place of compromise. So again, you know, I don't want, I don't want fear to fill this place, but... But I'm telling you what, we, we have to have wisdom. And we have to teach our children from a really early age. And we don't just let our kids go roaming out through neighborhoods, not in this day and age. When I was a kid, my gosh, you're out of the house at sunrise <laughs> and don't come back to sunset. <laughs> Man, we drank, we drank water out of the water hose of our neighbor's houses. We dug, we dug trenches in the orange groves. We dug tunnels, could have been killed. (laughs) We climbed trees. Well, they climbed trees. I was like, uh, I'm at the bottom looking up. I don't climb trees. (laughs) But that's not the day that we live in anymore. Hear me, some of you that live in places like Hell Plantation, Tioga, and you just think you can let your kids go out and just roam. You better use wisdom. Don't let your kids go off. I don't don't know how... I didn't plan to get into this, but I watched that movie yesterday, (laughs) but you use wisdom. Kids don't go off roaming by themselves. Yeah. In the military. Thank you, John. In the military, we, we had a buddy system and even in the military 40 years ago, we didn't do anything alone. You sent out in the woods, you're sent out in the woods two by two or four or eight or 12, but you, you don't go off by yourself. You know, one of the things that, that I have um, really lived by, a standard I've lived by for the last almost 30 years, is I don't travel alone. I don't go overseas anymore alone. It's a rare occasion. If I, earlier this year when our team went to Honduras, I went a few days early and I was dropped off at the airport and I was picked up at the airport in Honduras by Jimmy and his crew. But to put myself in a place or position of compromise or not a place of safety. You just don't want to do that. Amen? So we get back to the story, the disciples or... Now having an argument, and Jesus says to them, this is not how you behave, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus laid out the foundation for everyone in this room this morning. Not only did he come because God first loved us, and Jesus was willing to die on the cross for us, to save us. He saved us for a reason. It was not just to go to heaven, because if that were the case, man, we'd get you saved, we'd get you baptized in water, and we'd say, bye-bye, you're out of here. And the Lord would suck you into heaven. But we were were created for such a time as this, that our lives would live on this earth and make a difference. Can you say amen to that? That we could touch lives. We could touch our neighbors. We could touch the widows and the orphans. We can touch those who are hurting. We can go to the hospitals and visit those that have pain. This week, in one day, literally in one hour, I got two texts that just were gut-wrenching. I got a text of friends of ours that their daughter was found dead in her bed. Within a few minutes, I get texts from other friends in this church who said, Pastor George Suzanne, will y'all pray for our neighbors? Their little three-year-old baby girl died Wednesday night during the night. And it was gut-wrenching. The pain of loss. What can we do to serve these people? What can we do to help? What can we do to show the love of God? Only Holy Spirit can heal that kind of pain. But he heals that kind of pain. Amen? Amen? And our prayer always is that those who have gone before us are right with God so that their going as painful as it is, at least it's a homecoming for them in Christ. I'm reading a book right now. From the persecuted church, um, the uh, voice of the martyrs, Um, Jeff King uh, wrote a book, can't remember the title of it, but it's all these stories of precious men and women and children in third world countries that have been martyred just in the last 20 years. And I can only read like one story a night probably going to have to switch it up and start reading this book in the morning because at night you read one story and you go oh my gosh have i really ever had to pay a price for my christianity yeah. have, have i ever had to walk through the reality that if i don't reject christ for muslim for islam that my wife in front of me is going to have her head chopped off right. or they're going to take a machete to my children or they're going to burn our house down while we're trapped inside story after story and yet these people because of their love for God and their love for their friends and their love for the people that God has sent them to are willingly laying down their lives to serve i don't know about you but that's that's some pretty serious greatness for me greatness is not the car you drive Or the home you live in. Or the vacations you get to take. Jesus said greatness comes when you lay down your life one for another. And you serve the body of Christ. You start with those who are in the body. The word says. We're literally commanded to take care of our own first. But not exclusively. Come on somebody. There's plenty of room left after you take care, if we take care of everybody in this house, every widow, every orphan, every child, every family that's struggling, everybody that has a need. We do everything we can as a body to take care of them. We take care of them first. There is plenty left over. Amen? There's plenty left over individually and especially corporately for us to give our lives. Galatians chapter 6 Verse six says this, let the one who's taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You can preach that scripture for so many different areas of life. In this writing to the church at Galatia, Paul is actually writing and encouraging and challenging Um, the church to take care of those who serve them the Word of God. He says, make sure you take care of those who've given the Word, Serve the Word first. You take care of them. There'll be plenty left over to take care of everybody else. And And he goes on to say, God's not mocked. God's not mocked. When you see things happen, injustices in this world, you read stories, you see a movie uh, like what I'm talking about that we saw yesterday, and you go, God, the first thing that comes out of you is, God, why? There are a lot of answers you're not getting in this world. But God's still in control. And there are hurting people that hurt people. There are those whose seemingly only reason for life is to abuse, and hurt, and destroy. And you know what we're called to do? Love them. In Jeff King's book, I'm on chapter 10, at least five of the 10 chapters tell the story of the remaining person in the family that lived and how they ultimately came back and forgave those who had taken their husband or taken their wife or taken their children the story i read last night the ninth chapter it's a horrendous story but in the end this woman who they had killed her three-year-old child and then When they threatened her that if she didn't stop preaching Jesus with her actions, not with her words, she was giving and sowing and blessing and touching, and she had nothing. And yet what little she had, she shared it with everyone. And they beat her, and a friend of hers literally almost to death, and she was eight months pregnant with a second little girl. And the word got out and people across the nations of the world began to pray for this woman And she survived the night And a week later she gave birth to a little baby girl Who only lived for three days and then died because of the injuries the beating of this woman And it it literally it was such a horrendous story. I'm sitting there And I'm thinking, how does this end? And I read the final three chapters. And it said that because of her love and her action and her reaction, that all the men that were involved in the beating, every single one of them came to Christ. She forgave them. They not only came to Christ, they ended up building a church on the site where they had beaten this woman almost to death. God's love is pretty amazing. I can see it in some of your eyes. You're thinking, I ain't gonna preach to him. I'm gonna. If I get a chance, I'm gonna shoot him in the face. <laughs> Suzanne, yesterday at the movie, I confess her sin, not mine. <laughs> at one point, she's like, "Shoot him, shoot him!" Like, honey, sh-. <laughs> but I was thinking it. <laughs> Don't shoot him in the face, shoot him somewhere else. (laughs) Leave it at that. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have an opportunity, listen to this, and I close, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith so i want to encourage you today in a few moments we're going to uh, pray we're going to pray over all the teams that are going to be out in our community over this next week we're going to pray for those that are delivering food we're going to pray for those that are going on the missions trip as they fly out tuesday for just protection and covering but also for god to use them greatly and hear me those of us who are staying are not greater than those who are going on a missions trip and those who are going on a mission trip are not more spiritual or more important than those of us that aren't going. So whether you get on a plane and fly to Columbia or you get in a car and drive to one of the local places where we'll be serving, our heart's desire is that we do it as unto God. And we sow the love of God to those who are desperately hurting. you going to have an opportunity hear me. I go to the hospitals quite a bit, and I've never been in a hospital, never walked down the pediatric wing and never had someone tell me, you can't pray for my child, or you can't love on them, or you can't give me this. When people are hurting, when people are thirsty, they will not turn down your bottle of water. When they're hungry, they will not turn down your plate of chicken and black beans and rice. Come on, somebody. I won't even turn that down. When people have need, that's what we, the body of Christ, take our Christianity outside. Boy, this is important what we do here. Sundays are radically important, we're commanded. Not to forsake the assembling of the brothers and sisters, fellowship one with another. We're called to come together to greet one another with a holy kiss and to hug one another and love one another and to worship God, to lift up holy hands before the God who is worthy of all of our praise and our worship, to honor Him, to declare there's none like Him. We're declared, we are commanded to sit and hear the Word of God so that we can be built up, edified, equipped. What for? For the purpose of going out of these walls into the the city that desperately needs Jesus. We're commanded. So this week, together corporately, we're going to go together to touch lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.